This is God's servant Dilip Koshikoshi. I am the pastor of Revelation Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. I pray that you will experience the power of God's word in all its richness and glory today. May your faith be revived, your mind be renewed, and your body be healed in Jesus' name. This is the year of purification. Tell your neighbor this is the year of purification. The Lord is purifying us. Amen. The Lord is cleansing us, purging us, sanctifying us. Amen. The, the, the most exciting work that you can ever think about as a Christian is the work of purification that the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. That's right. To be holy as the Heavenly Father is holy. To be perfected. Amen. And the whole, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Amen. If you allow Him to do it, that is. If you yield to Him. If you, if you are one of those stuffed nuts, you don't want to be cracked open, you don't want to be crushed, you don't want to be broken, you don't want to be dealt with, I'm just happy the way I am. If that is who you are, then you know, you're going to have a very hard time. Because the Holy Spirit is into changing us. Amen. He's committed to changing us. In fact, the one function of the Holy Spirit upon this earth is to change us and to make us like Jesus. Amen. You might be so happy the way you are, but the, trust me, God is not. Hallelujah. He loves you just the way you are. But he's, he's, got a, he's got a picture of you that he wants to bring out, fashion you into. Amen. And uh, 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 the daily work of the Holy Spirit is to correct you, chisel you, polish you, refine you, amen, cleanse you, fine-tune you. Oh, what a work that is. It's an extensive work. Now, when you build up something, it takes time. Yeah, it is into the, the work goes into the details, amen. It goes, it, it is very fine, say fine. That's right, especially when you're reaching the final stage, the finishing stage is the longest of it all. Yeah? The finishing stages. And I want you to know the church is going through the finishing stages of... <laughs> I don't know about you, but, but I know I'm going through that finishing stages by the Holy Spirit. The, the Lord is doing that, the final touches. And it'll take time. You have to be moldable, you have to be still, you have to be yielded, you have to be submitted it requires all of that praise god he is working on us like that and i hope you are giving in to that kind of a work to the holy spirit amen tell your neighbor don't be tough the one that you serve is meek mild it's meek say meek mild and why do you want to be tough rough and tough in our childhood, we had that jeans brand, rough and tough. We've been looking at um, the shameless worshipper. Says the shameless worshipper. The scandalous worshipper. The scandalous worshipper. The uninvited worshipper. Hallelujah. The worshipper who cared about nothing else. Amen. We've been considering, um, I don't know if I can call it a case study on worship. I wish this is taught in every, uh, every Christian college, Bible college, or you know, those who, places where they train 
young people to become worship leaders and Christian musicians. I, I really wish this is a case study, a lengthy case study, a deep case study. The story of the, the woman who came in uninvited into the house of Simon the Pharisee, carrying an alabaster vial of perfume. Amen. Breaking every protocol, breaching every social norm, that is. We looked at that um, in detail for the past couple of weeks, I believe. And we're going to continue looking at this area, but we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 1. And uh, I want to read a few verses and then we'll, we'll get into what there is. Let's pray. Father, speak to us. Speak to us. Do what pleases your heart. Do what pleases your will. Establish that which is of you in us. Let your word do a, a work in us which cannot be reversed, which cannot be cancelled. Let your word come forth in power. Break our rigidity. Break our rigidity. Crush our stubbornness by your mercy and your love. Correct us, Lord, in your mercy. Show us the right way and change us by your love. Thank you for what you're about to do. Lord, we summit ourselves. Have your way in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, for every kind of love, there is always a point of giving up. Except for God's love. It doesn't give up. Never gives upon us. Never gives upon us. And uh, for those of you who think that um, you've come so far because of your credits, because of your progress report or anything like that, I want to remind you, it's just the mercy of God. He's gracious to us, so full of compassion and love to us. Amen. None of us can boast of a, a good track record. None of us can boast about it. It's all black marks all over. Black marks all over. But praise God, we have an advocate who sympathizes with our weaknesses. Amen. Hallelujah. And who's given the, who's made the propitiation for our sins. Amen. And his blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Amen. His blood speaks on our behalf. Amen. Hallelujah. His blood speaks what he has seen in us. Amen. Praise God. First Samuel chapter 1 verses 1 down. Now there was a certain man from Ramathaim Zovim, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuv, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, 
and the name of the other penina and penina had children but hana had no children now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the lord of hosts in shilo it's a good practice he will go up from a city yearly say yearly i think i said it last week also make worship a habitual practice in your life be disciplined about worship and there must not be a season in your life that you tend to forget to worship there must there must not be a single sunday service where you are like struggling to how did i worship when did i worship last time you must be so ready to worship all the time you must be so disciplined said discipline worship can be a discipline by the way you can be so disciplined about your approach to the presence of god that every time you sense the presence of god you're already in worship man everything about you is worship everything about you is worship the way you speak is worship the way you talk is worship the way you interact with people the way you drive the way you shop the way you do things it's all worship you're so disciplined about this this expression of love unto god you're so disciplined about it that you know they look at this he he went early he would go up from his city early to worship and to sacrifice to the lord of hosts in shilo and the and they look at the contrast and the, i like the way the bible puts in the contrast right at the start of this this book puts in the contrast and the two sons of eli hophni and phinehas were priests to the lord there it's a contrast so you know even when even when the uh, you know the so called priest over the the house at chilo the the temple at chilo the two priests the sons of eli they were not godly in fact the bible goes on to say to talk about them that they did not know the lord that's what the bible says can you imagine having a priest or a priest in the house of god who do not know the lord they do not know the lord they had nothing to do with the lord and their eyes were not on the lord they were their eyes were on the offerings that were coming in and they they changed the rules if you read through the next chapter you will see that they changed the rules how the offerings were managed they changed the rule they they bypassed the commandments given in the, Levi, the book of leviticus and they would they would want to pick up any piece that they want which was being sacrificed unto the lord they would just take that uh, uh, three pinned fork and they'll just thrust in whatever piece will come up they'll take but god had specifically told this is what is supposed to be separated for the the priest there's a specific portion that was to be separated for the priest they couldn't take anything that they they wanted because they did not have a relationship with god they could do things without the without a pinch without feeling a pinch they're so disconnected from god and the rule was that the the, the law was that they can take um you know after the the, the fat was burned before god god wanted the smell of the fat but they would demand the meat to be given to them before the fat was burned before him so that's we're talking about two contrasting characters here one is helkana who would go up early to the house of god to sacrifice to worship god and at the this house at chilo 
the temple at Shiloh, we have two priests who did, not, who did not even know God, who had no relationships with God. But they were just manipulating the system, corrupted the system that God had established in the temple. And when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. I like, I like what is written here. You know what, what this says about Elkanah? Elkanah was not just a worshiper, but he was also somebody, he was a worship leader, I would say. He encouraged people to worship. He encouraged his family to worship. Now, you cannot make anybody worship, but you can encourage them. You can lead them into worship. So he would lead the, the gang every year from their house. They, you would have expected, okay, buy them some new sari or something like that. But I said, if you love your wife, husbands who love your wife, what would they do? You'll encourage them to worship the Lord all the more. You'll give room for them. Make allocations for them. See, this is a New Testament principle, by the way. Now, it, it says, do not deprive each other. Ah, you couldn't connect that way. Do not deprive each other, but except by mutual consent. So it, it talks about, it's the same principle that is applying there. You must allow your spouse to worship, to spend time. Hello. There's a secret of a strong marriage. You must allow your spouse to spend time with Jesus. You must encourage your spouse to be a worshiper. You must encourage your spouse to be in the prayer room. Elkanah loved Hannah more. So what did he do? Give a double portion to go and worship. More time to worship. More provision to worship. Okay now, but to Hannah he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. She had a, she had a certain condition to deal with. But her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. In every worshipper's life, there will be an irritator. Every true worshipper will have the presence of some irritation. Somebody to provoke you. The Lord allows that to happen. You know why? So that you can worship him more. You can see that in the life of Hannah. The Lord will allow people to be an irritant to you. Circumstances to be irritating to you. So that you can, you can find all your answers in God. You can, you can pursue Jesus with all the more fervor so that you can find everything that you need in Jesus. Hallelujah. So don't complain about those, who are, those of them who are irritating you. Hallelujah. It's, it's, some, some of you are like, oh, it does not add up. I mean, something is... But when you, when you read through, you'll understand what, what Penina was actually doing to Hannah, unknowingly. She had, no, she had no control over it. Because Hannah's heart was in the right place. If your heart is in the right place, it doesn't matter who is irritating you, who is troubling you. It doesn't matter who is provoking you bitterly. It doesn't matter who is ridiculing you. It doesn't matter. If your heart is in the right place, the Lord will make room for you. The Lord will deal with your situation. The Lord will come through. The Lord will prove that he is your God. Yes. Amen. And the Lord will honor you. Yes. Yes. So you should come to the, the song of Hannah. She was a worshiper. The song of Hannah. 
man and you will realize that this this woman had some deep revelation about her god hey man we'll come to that in a while hopefully today let's see her rival however would provoke her bit provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the lord had closed her womb now it happened year after year say year after year year after year as often as she went up to the house of the lord she would provoke her where are they going what what is venena doing provoking her rival provoking hana why are they going to the temple year after year what was the intention of elkana taking the entire family to Sh- to shilo to worship but what is penina doing so you can come to church but you can miss out on the intention of why you came to church she 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 went to church she went to the temple year after year her husband gave her portions to go and worship also everything was taken care of there is provision made for her to worship but what was she focused on provoking her rival i hope you are not like that i hope none of you here is in that place where your eyes are on somebody else you are you're looking at somebody else your focus is on somebody else and you're you're focused on troubling that person and and irritating that person and causing that person to come to a place of shame may your eyes be fixed on jesus on jesus amen hallelujah if penina had the right heart the right heart condition if if her frame of mind was right before god she would have been the greatest and greater to hana my children are your children now we'll pray i'll pray i'll agree with you and pray the lord will do a miracle in your life just like how he blessed me he would bless you i'll impart this portion to you also but what you see is even as she drew near to worship god she forgot that she she came to shiloh the house of god to worship him but she she was completely um corrupted in her thinking and she was provoking hannah and causing her to weep bitterly it happened year after year as often as she went up in the house of the lord she would provoke her so she wept and would not eat so this hannah wept say wept and would not eat then elkana her husband said to her hana why do you weep and why do you not eat and why is your heart sad a good husband say good husband it's a good husband a good husband will always know what the the wife is going through i can see glances ketle can't you hear what pastor is preaching today okay let let's put it like this a good spouse so it'll be a double edged sword <laughs> a good spouse would be mindful of what is going on in the heart of your spouse you'll be mindful of the trouble that he or she is carrying you'll be mindful of the pain you'll be mindful of the fact that he or she has not eaten anything i hope you notice when your husband or your wife has not eaten anything i hope you are quick to understand that your your spouse is hungry it's a binder to your marriage i'm telling you it it keeps your marriage in place look even that advice what kind of advice is that i'm telling you it works you try it out it worked in my life <laughs> hallelujah praise god hana why do you weep 
Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? He knows the reason. Then he also tells her, Am I not better to you than ten sons? He knows that he can't do anything about it, but encourage her, keep her encouraged. Am I not better to you than ten sons? Now we, we don't see how Hannah replied to that. Probably she smiled. Probably she nodded. Probably she gave him a hug. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know what transpired after that. But the Bible says, then, said then, Hannah rose after eating and drinking. So her husband's consolation, her husband's words of comfort caused her to eat and drink, clearly. But she did not settle for that. Hello. Don't settle for man's comfort. Even if it's your husband or your wife. Even if it's your closest friend, don't settle for man's comfort. It will not stay. A few minutes later, you'll be in the same place, feeling the same pain and going through the same agony because you depend on something very temporal. What you need is a solution from God. Amen. Amen. So Hannah knew that. Hannah, Hannah took the encouragement. She did not despise the love of her husband. She ate, she drank. Because she wanted her husband to know that, yes, I, you are better to me than ten sons. But I'm not going to settle for that. I will eat with you. I'll drink with you. But I'm going to go back into the presence of God. Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she greatly distressed so that means you're still greatly distressed wept bitterly what do you do when you're greatly distressed what do you do when you're greatly distressed you 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 skip one step you'll go directly to the weeping bitterly part greatly distressed you'll weep bitterly but look at her she was greatly distressed she prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Even her tears were reserved for her God. Even her tears were was an expression of worship unto her God. Her tears were was a, it was a, uh, they, they were a part of her worship, her prayer. And she, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. I like the next verse, verse 11. Then, and, okay, NSV says, she made a vow. NKJV says, then she made a vow. Say vow. Say vow. Then she made a vow. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant and remember me and not forget thy maidservant, but will give thy maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and the razor shall never come on his head. Amen. Hallelujah. Then she made a say vow. Then she made a vow. So what is a vow? What is a vow? Promise. A vow is a 
promise the dictionary defines vow as a, a solemn pledge say solemn pledge it defines vow as an act of dedication or consecration okay now i have my own definition for a vow based on all this a vow is making a firm commitment to follow through on a decision you make a decision before god and uh, you make a strong commitment not just about the decision but also to follow through on that decision a strong commitment to follow through on a decision that you made that is a vow see look at that as much as we we looked at the worshipper in uh, luke chapter 7 uh who went to the pharisee's house she taught us some things some deep things on worship hannah in the old testament is teaching us a few things in worship i hope you can see that she is teaching us there is no true worship without a sevav man hallelujah the bible says verse 11 and then she made a vow and then she made a vow said so then said so then you we all have those then moments in our lives then said so then look at this this family has been coming to shilo year after year they've been this this hannah has been standing in the presence of god repeatedly for years now she's been bearing the reproach or the shame of barrenness and she has been provoked by her rival year after year she has been weeping and refusing to eat that also is a repeated pattern in her life but then said then see you now i'll tell you something about worship in worship you break patterns in worship you break patterns in worship you stay fresh in the presence of god amen at you would have been attending shilo service every year you would have been attending this festival every year festival of worship every year this event every year you would have been going through different things you would have been standing in the presence of god umpty number of times but every time you come into the presence of god if your heart can be presented to god with freshness say freshness you cannot be stale in worship you cannot be stale in your worship oh I, this is how i've been doing it for so many years no what does the lord demand of you today that's what worship is you've been following a pattern for so many years my husband gives me the portion i i go and drop it i go and burn it i go and sacrifice it and that's about it no what's the pattern this year what has he asked of you this year what's the demand from god this year what's the demand from god today i hope you when you stood in the presence of god today you were trying to figure out you were asking the lord what do you want want from me today that is worship if you're just following the worship leader and sang a few songs and you sat down like how you do every week then you've not gone full into worship so hannah had to hannah had to respond to this then moment in her life it was a then moment then hannah made a vow 
Though she has been going through this year after year, though she has been doing the same thing repeatedly, when she came into the presence of God, this time she had to have that encounter with God. Say encounter with God. Tell your neighbor encounter. What will you do if you get an encounter with God? Have you ever thought about it? We heard about that today. A few people who, 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 yeah, that, who stopped Jesus on the tracks. You know, he, he mentioned about the blind man on the way to Jericho who called out son of David. He, he talked about Zacchaeus who's, who climbed up a sycamore tree and stopped Jesus on the track. And there are many in the Bible who stopped Jesus on the tracks. What would you do? See, Jesus would ask the question, what do you want from me? He even did that with some people. What do you want? What do you want? What would you do? How would you respond when you get an encounter with Jesus? Are you even prepared for an encounter with Jesus? Do you come to church prepared for an encounter with God? Do you come to church prepared for an encounter with God? Do you wake up every morning prepared for an encounter with God? Or is your mind far from the thoughts of an encounter, of having an encounter with God? Now some of you do this day after day. You, you, you get the privilege of being in a worship session or you, know, you, you get the privilege of uh, attending a circle of worshippers. You have the privilege of doing it almost every day, maybe multiple times a week. But are you prepared for an encounter with God? Or are you... Are you, the, are you the type that would say, yeah, I go there, I drop my potions and I come. That's it. Then I would say nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to change. Unless you respond in your encounter moment, nothing is going to change. Do you even recognize when you get an encounter with Jesus? Are you ready for an encounter? Are you desirous of an encounter? Hannah was desirous of an encounter. She had enough of the regular, mundane, yearly routine she's been following. The, the woman with the alabaster box, the alabaster vial, she had enough of being called a sinner. She had enough of being labeled like that in that city. She had to break out of that routine and that label. Hallelujah. You must come to that place where you are ready for an encounter. You are desirous of an encounter. The Lord is just, just pressing upon my heart. Tell you to, be, to desire encounters with Him. See, not, nothing will be real to you unless you have an encounter with Jesus. You will be following somebody's God. See, Hannah could have been following Elkanah's God. Okay, I'm going to see, I'm going to worship Elkanah's God. Because Elkanah is going to worship, I'm also going with him. Because El Elkanah gave me potions, I'm going to drop it. I'm going to, I'm going to offer it. Because El Elkanah asked me to do it, I'm going to do it. So what about you? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you have a relationship with your God? Some of you have been following your husband's God, your wife's God. Some of you have been following your parents' God. But what about you? Things need to change and for that you have a desire. You must pray. Parents, godly parents must pray that your children will have an encounter with Jesus. They, will, they should have an encounter with Jesus that they'll, they'll set every place they go on fire. 
They'll be so changed. Instead of trying to you know, buy them everything that you can't afford to buy with your money, instead of trying to give them, to help them with all their dreams and all their aspirations, pray that they will have an encounter with Jesus. Because nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will satisfy. No, every time, every time you consider your child, remember this verse, what would a man profit if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? Always be mindful of the soul of your child. So pray for encounters, that your children will have encounters, not once, not twice, as many as they can. So they, they will never become stale in worship. They'll never become stale in their relationship with God. They'll always be fresh in the presence of God. Every time they walk into the presence of God, they are approaching. It's so fresh. Hallelujah. And Hannah would have missed her encounter woman with God at Shiloh because her family was already done with it anyways. Her family was already done with the worship. They were about to leave. Husband consoled her, said, It's okay. I'm, I'm better than to you. I'm better to you than ten sons. What more do you want? Let's go back. So she ate and drank, but instead of saying, Okay, let's go back to our hometown, she arose and went back into the, the house of God because she was desperate for an encounter. If you're, an, if you're desperate for an encounter, you keep going back. To God. You keep going back to God. You will, not, you will not follow somebody's timetable. You will not follow somebody's itinerary. She could have lived the rest of her life with the same reproach of barrenness. And Penina would have provoked her, continued to provoke her. And she would have continued to, to weep bitterly. She would have continued to refuse to eat. The same situation would have prevailed and continued in her life had she missed her encounter. You know, there, see, there is so much at stake if you miss your encounter. Oh, somebody. There is so much at stake. Tell your neighbor there is so much at stake. There is so much that you miss out if you miss your encounter. There is so much. There is so much. You have no clue. If you miss your encounter with God, if you miss your encounter with Jesus, you miss a big thing. It's a big miss. It's a big mess. Look at all these people. Look at, look at them. The Bible puts their names and mentions about their encounter with God for a reason. Because without an encounter, they are silts. They are nothing. They remain as they are. What, they, what made them what they became is the encounter they had with God. If you're happy the way you are, you don't need to desire for an encounter. But if you're not happy the way you are, you want more, you must desire encounters with Jesus. Now we, 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 we like to meet people. We like to be with people. We like to have encounters with celebrities. We like to have encounters with renowned people. But we don't, we don't really think about having encounters with the one who's above them all. Now we skip church service just to meet somebody. We, we, we skip uh, uh, you know, times of prayer just to see somebody. 
we, we, we miss Bible studies. We miss um, quiet times. That's right. We miss quiet times so that we can be happy in the presence of some ordinary man whom the world deems so high. But what about your encounter with God? Praise God. For then she made a vow. Worship is about keeping it fresh, say fresh, and not becoming stale. Worship is about responding anew every single time. Respond new. Respond anew every time. When you're in the presence of God, respond anew. Respond fresh. That is worship. Sunday morning, you must walk into the doors of the church. If you're coming to the church, you must walk into the doors of the church with, a, with an eagerness to respond fresh to Jesus. If this Jesus that you've, you, you, you worship has become a, so familiar to you, so ordinary to you, you've lost the charm of Jesus, you've lost the, the aura of Jesus, you've lost the, the wonder of Jesus, Then she made a vow. You must understand here how serious a, a vow is. Do you know how serious a vow is? The Bible talks about vows before God. In fact, it is, con it is mentioned in the Torah. In the first five books of the Bible, it is mentioned about how vows must be um, kept how to deal with this area of vows. The Bible goes in length about it. But in our time and age, we don't even consider what a big thing this commitment before God is. We say something before God without even thinking and we quickly forget it. Don't treat it lightly. In the light of God's word, we are to be people whose yes is yes and whose no is no. That's the New Testament. So the principle remains. The Old Testament had such, such great uh, instructions concerning uh, keeping your vows before God. The New Testament tells us, let your yes be yes and your no be no. The New Testament warns us, man will be, have to give an account for every Ah, every, every careless word, every idle word spoken. So before you open your mouth and say something, make some commitments. Think. Because God treats the words of your mouth very, very seriously. He treats the words of your mouth very seriously because that's how he created the world that we see with the words of his mouth. So the, so the same God treats the words of your mouth very seriously. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant and remember me. So she's asking for a few things. One, thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant and remember me and not forget thy maidservant but will give thy maidservant a son. Four things. Look at me, remember me, not forget me 
but give me a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. I hope, every, see, everything that you ask from God must be so that you can give it back to him. Don't ask anything you can't give it back. Don't ask God for anything you can't give back to him. Then it becomes God in your life. If you ask, if God is, if you're asking God for a son, you must be willing to give back your son. If you're asking God for a daughter, you must be willing to give back your daughter to serve him. If you're asking God for a car, you must be willing to give it to God when he wants it for you, from you. Don't ask God anything you can't give back to him. Look at the way she phrased it. Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy... Of thy who? Of thy? She's not saying, oh Lord of hosts, if thou would look at the afflictions of your maidservant's wife. No. That's not what he said. It's very personal. I am your maidservant. Elkanah might be your servant, your servant, but I am your maidservant. So she did, not, she did not say your servant's wife. She said your maidservant. If you can look at your maidservant. And remember me, and not forget thy maidservant, but wilt give thy maidservant. The number of times he used that, the word maidservant. I am your maidservant. I am your maidservant. Three times she said, maidservant. Then I will give him to the Lord. All that, see look at this, a Nazarite vow is normally for a certain period. For so many years. When you say that, you know, this person is set apart for the Lord for the next 10 years. But she is saying unconditionally. She said, as long as he lives, he will be a Nazarite. That's not a common thing, by the way. For a mother to make a vow concerning the unborn son, that I will make this son serve you all the days of his life. And I will not allow a razor to come upon his head all the days of his life. Say worship. So worship is like that. Makes no sense to the human brain. See, Penina had children, not one. She had many. She had a few. In fact, the Bible says to her sons and her daughters. In verse 4, it says, Elkanah gave portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons, that means more than one son, and to all her daughters, more than one daughter. So at least four children she had. At least. Simple maths. And this woman who did not have a child, who bore the reproach of barrenness, she is telling the Lord, she had the audacity to tell the Lord, if you give me one son, he will be yours all the days of his life. I just want to bring forth a child from my womb to serve you. I'm your maidservant. Look at the affliction. Look on the afflictions of thy maidservant. Remember me. Not forget thy maidservant. Remember, give thy maidservant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And a razor shall never come on his head. All the days. Say all the days. 
If you are worshipping Jesus, let it not be for a certain period of your life. Let it be for all the days of your life. Let your worship be not, not, not just after you got married. For a few months, yes. So happy. Regular in church, you are always in the front worshipping Jesus. But once you had a, a child, maybe kind of, you don't have time for God. Till the time you had that breakthrough, you are a full worship. You're just waiting for that, that job offer to come into your hands. You were worshipping and for a few more months it continued. And then once you got busy with your job, what happened? Your worship cannot be for just a season of your life. Worship is a lifetime commitment to Jesus. It's a lifetime commitment to Jesus. If anything changes the way you worship Jesus, it must be getting, gotten rid of. It must be discarded from your life. Huh? That's right. That's an alabaster box which must be broken. It is just taking up space in your cupboard, in your cabinet, in your house. Anything that stands in the way of your worship is just taking up space in your life. I will give him. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall come upon his head. So she prayed and she prayed so deeply, the Bible says. She prayed with such a deep devotion unto God that Eli, the priest, thought she was. When is the last time you looked drunk in prayer? When is the last time you looked drunk in worship? When is the last time somebody said you're out of your mind when you're worshipping? When is the last time somebody said you have a demon? Because you worship a little extra than they worship. Hello? Hello? You see, this one thing, if you can break out of. And we sing the song. You, you, you want the spirit to break out? First you break out of your shell. Then the spirit will show who he is. But you, are in, you can't break out. You can't go beyond five inches. That's as much as you can worship. One square feet of space. You're asking the spirit to break out. Come to heaven, touch the, the earth. Bring our walls down. What about you? What about your walls? What about your walls? Are you willing to, are you willing to break the walls that you have built? How dare you ask God to bring the walls that you have built? Sometimes it does not make any sense. If you truly believe in what you just sung, then your attitude in worship will be different. Let go of your surroundings when you worship. Let go of your surroundings when you worship. Take off in worship. You should, not be, you should not be on this earth when you worship. Just take off. Go to a secret place. Go to a secret place in the spiritual realm. Be somewhere flying in the, in the spiritual realm with Jesus. Intimacy with Jesus. Just at his feet. Not even aware of who is to the left or to the right. And then the Bible says, Hannah poured her heart before God. That's what the Bible says. See, she poured, praying before the Lord, 
it goes on to say she she told Eli what what was she doing and she said I was just pouring out my soul before the Lord a few verses down I was pouring out my soul before the Lord in prayer in worship she was just pouring out where do you pour out your heart which is that comfortable place for you to pour out your heart rather to whom do you pour out your heart friends psychologists doctors mental health experts today's christendom christendom has allowed all these people to take the place of god because christians are now pouring out their hearts before all these people that i mentioned see i was guilty of this for a very very long time you know even now sometimes i show the traits of this but the lord had to correct me and i thank the lord that he showed it to me i used to wear my heart on my sleeve five minutes with me if i like the way you talk to me i would open my heart to you that is who i am i was don't wear your heart on your sleeve don't wear your heart on your sleeve don't don't reveal what's in your heart to everyone around you if you're pouring out your heart let it be before god and god alone Amen. and to the people that god wants you to pour out to Amen. have some discernment before you open up have some discernment Amen. it's not about them like you know spreading it around or anything like that it's about how does how is it going to profit you yes. you opening your heart how is it going to profit you Amen. do not make yourself so predictable to men some of you are so predictable to men i'm not talking about prophets i'm talking about ordinary men can look at you and say everything about you you're so predictable you're so readable you're so readable everything that happens in your life it's so readable it's so clear so transparent because you have that heart of pouring out your heart you have you have that habit of pouring out your heart wherever you go a little bit of heart here a little bit of your heart here and when you go there a little bit of heart there you are pouring out your heart all over the place everybody knows what's going on in your life because you can't keep anything in your heart let man have wrong opinions about you let man have wrong wrong opinions about you don't make yourself so predictable to man let men have wrong opinions about you let them have wrong opinions let them say that you are a drunkard let them say you are out of your mind let them say you are uh possessed let them say that uh i look at any servants of god show me one servant of god uh that's right who was who was who had a perfect reputation no nobody had if we go through the list you know even present day ones you you'll be like oh okay that's right only one was perfectly sinless but he, even he was called the he was he, they, they said about him that he cast out demons by belzebub who jesus huh? are you kidding me after all the miracles that you saw that's what you can come out with 
don't make yourself predictable see if you're so predictable to men then you are not walking the right kind of walk if you're so predictable to men then you are not walking the right kind of walk if people know what's what exactly is going on in your life you're not going you're not walking the right kind of walk you're just you're just a, a transparent glass emptying yourself every now and then in all the wrong places like i said breaking that alabaster box in all the wrong places so finally when you meet jesus you have no alabaster boxes left all your jars have been dropped on the way you went to the friend's place dropped one there you went to the psychologist dropped one there you went to the counselor dropped one there by the time you met jesus encounter time no alabaster vials everything is dropped broken no perfume left that's why i said you your worship your worship drains out the more you the more you spend time with people your worship drains out the more time you give people your worship drains out because see the the one thing about god is he desires jealously desires you the more you see the more mature you become the the less people friendly you will become you will become less of a people people person oh you don't know that you don't know that about this 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 walk you you walking the more closer you get to jesus the less accessible you will become because you're always with your god you're in his you're always in his bosom sleeping on his bosom you're always on his lap if people have to come they'll have to disturb not just you but also jesus so be like that desire to be like that some of you are so desperate you just want to, you want that timer to just go up i have one friend two friend three friends today even today how they've designed some of these technologies and you know some of these platforms are designed so that your worth is gauged by the number of followers that you have that is not how it is in heaven i'm sorry that is not how it is in heaven you can be the most unpopular person but if you're popular to jesus if you love your god that's all that matters you you may not even have an account on any of the platforms it's all right but you have one account which cannot be scrapped or hacked or manipulated or corrupted yeah, that's right now to, today you need to break the alabaster box now it's all technology share post the whole world will know what's in your heart not in a good mood today share post the whole world will like 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 why are they liking you not being in a good mood feeling sad feeling lonely the story of the day all by myself hello what kind of a circus have we gotten ourselves into what kind of a circus shame on you christian shame on you these are things that we must be ashamed of we must be so ashamed of these things promoting and giving time your precious godly time which he commanded to redeem for the days are evil the kind of interest that you follow be readable to god be transparent to god and those whom god wants you to be transparent to or accountable to look at that eli eli so eli saw this woman and she said he said why are you drunk why did you come into the temple drunk i mean how can you even do that so hana she was pouring out her heart 
So Hannah realized, okay, this is a priest now. So now she decides to open up a little bit. I'm not drunk. Okay, let's read that. Verse 13. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, how long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am your, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine, no strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. See, 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 she had the good sense that the, the one that stood before her is a minister of God, a priest. So Hannah revealed a part of her heart to Eli, knowing that he is the one who can be God's mouthpiece to her. And we be very picky about who you share your heart with. She, she wanted to open up a little bit, not, not much there also. Just a little bit. She didn't tell the entire problem. She just said, I'm, 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 I'm troubled. I'm oppressed in spirit. And out of my, my trouble, I, I was pouring out my heart unto God. Why she said so much? Because she knew that this is the priest, the minister of God, who can be a mouthpiece. God can speak to me through him. And look at what God did. And Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. Prophetic word. If it was Hophni and Phinehas, I'm sure that she would not have opened up that much. But this man was Eli, the one who is to mentor her son. Amen. And father her, her, her son in the spirit. This, this is, you, 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 need to, you need to understand. You, you have to understand the dynamics in the spiritual realm. Now, some Christians are so discreet. There is no accountability to leadership. There is no accountability. There is no transparency before whom they are supposed to be transparent. But Hannah was not like that. She, she opened up a bit about herself. And the man pronounced a blessing. He became a mouthpiece, confirming the things that she prayed. He said, that which you have asked of the Lord is yours. May the Lord grant it to you. Amen. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. And I, I believe Eli was sealing the prayer. Eli was saying the amen. He was the godly authority, the priest. He stood as a priest over her prayer and said, yes, this is going to be accepted. I am the priest. You come to this house. I am the priest. And I'm going to say this is going to be accepted. Look at the next verse. And she said, let your... Oh, suddenly she became whose maidservant? Eli's maidservant. And that your maidservant, so the one who is God's maidservant is also God's minister's maidservant. Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the, look at the next line. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer ah. No longer sad. But every year she came to the same place. Because she didn't have an encounter with God, she went back the same way. Next year she will come back again. 
do the same things that she did she will get provoked by her rival she'll get she'll weep she will go without food husband will have to console her go back to her place say this continued for so many years finally she said this time i'm going to go back i want an encounter with god i want to pour out my heart in worship in prayer unto my god and i'm not going to go i'm not going to leave unless i i empty myself she emptied herself she made the prayer she i want to love about this she made that vow before which it was just giving what was given to her she gave she sacrificed she went back but this time she gave what she didn't have oh she gave what she didn't have can you give what you don't have the bible teaches us we can that's a that's another level of giving she gave what she did not even have and all she could look at was with the eyes of faith she just received it and she said this which you're going to give me is going to be yours all the days of his life is going to be yours she went away she ate and her face was no longer sad <sighs> worship god deep enough that you that you get to trade your burdens with his joy you must be in the presence of god so much you must be able to pour out everything before your god to such an extent that every burden in your heart is traded with his joy amen you're no longer sad oh, i hope you did that today yes i hope that you did that today i hope when you st- stood in the presence of god it was just not just about enjoying the music it was not just about grooving to the music i hope you were pouring out your worship and you know by the time the worship time got over you're already feeling that joy brimming with brimming up within you Amen. you're no longer sad every time you come to church and go back you are no longer sad you know why because you have approached worship differently you're filled you received a word you you made your vow and god gave you a word and you are no longer sad about that situation that must be a worship that must be every encounter with god that must be every encounter with god the lord told me something about worship joy look at this joy is the authentic outcome of a true worship the authentic outcome of a true worship is joy if there is no joy at the end of your worship you did not offer true worship the bible says we just saw that in the in the story of hannah the bible says in psalm 16 verse like let's read that scripture psalm 16 verse nine down therefore okay i'll uh, i'll read from verse 7 i will bless the lord who has counseled me indeed my mind instructs me in the night i've said the lord continually before me because he is at my right hand i will not be shaken therefore my heart is glad and my glory re- rejoices my flesh also will dwell securely for thou will not abandon my soul to sheol neither will thou allow thy holy one to see the pit thou wilt make known to me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy in thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore amen do you even know that this is your this is your uh, your stamp for worship this is your access to worship guarantee in worship now when you when you purchase something from a shop it comes with a guarantee this is going to serve this is going to last if something happens you can come back this is god's guarantee to you concerning worship you can go back with joy
Because in His presence, if you walk into this place, there is fullness of joy. You will go back with fullness of joy. Your face will no longer be sad. At your right, at His right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. It's a, it's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. Every time you are in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy for you to access. There are pleasures forevermore to, for you to access. Worship must show on your face. While you worship and even after you worship. Those who look to him are what? Are gloomy, depressed, long-faced. The Bible says those who look to him are radiant. Their faces will not be covered with. So that's what happened in the life of Hannah. She looked to him and her face was radiant. Her face was never sad. He became the glory and the lifter of her head. Some of you must, modern day worship musicians must take a few photos and give it for some kind of uh, an analysis in some kind of, uh, I don't know what's the uh, drama instead or something and find out what your expression means in there according to their books. It will be far from joy, it will be far from happiness, it will be far from brokenness, it will be far from any of those things. It's an attitude, say attitude. Attitude, stubbornness. See, I'm, you may not like what I'm saying, but this is the truth. See, I'm just talking from what the word is telling us to, do, to talk about. Her face was no longer sad. Meaning you worship God, your face cannot be sad. You pour out your heart before him. How can you go back from the presence of God sad? You cannot. It cannot. It is, it is, it is not possible. And on a Sunday afternoon, when you leave from church, everybody in town must know that you just worshiped God and came out. Everybody should know. Because you are so radiating with joy. You walk into a restaurant and they will know you're, oh, you're a Christian. You're coming back after service. Which church do you fellowship? Oh, you go to Revelation Church. We want to come there too. Why? Because you're just beaming with joy. That's right. Moses' face was so radiant that they couldn't even look at him. Old Testament. So sad. They couldn't do anything about it. But we can. We can. We can behold with an unveiled face. We can behold the glory which goes from glory to glory. Greater glory. We are able to take it. Because the, the, the cap of worship has been taken off when we found Jesus. When we met Jesus. True worship will show on your face. I would say sad looking faces are an, are an anomaly. To the Christians' privilege of worship. Sad-looking faces are an anomaly to the Christians' privilege of worship. It does not go, it's not, it does not add up. It cannot, it, it does not fit. I'm a Christian with a long face does not, I mean, how can that be in the same phrase? A Christian who can't smile. A Christian who can't smile? Something is wrong. Maybe we missed out something and non-Christian maybe. Because it is an anomaly. A Christian who spends time with his God is radiating, beaming with joy. Amen. Beaming with joy. Amen. Because you have access to fullness of joy. Amen. My joy. Jesus said, my joy I give to you. My joy. You're not talking about, you know, Disneyland joy. We're not talking about Disney World. Right? Disney World joy. We're not talking about, uh, you know, Warner Bros. or any of those people. We're talking about the joy of Jesus. Every Christian has a way out of grief. 
the bible tells us the bible teaches us every christian has a way out of grief pour out your heart in worship unto your maker and make a vow a commitment to worship him all the days of your life that's your way out of grief every time you hit a sorrowful condition every time you hit a, a rough patch which is causing grief within you come into the presence of god pour out your heart do before you go to your friend before you go to that that person that you like so much go to god Amen. go to jesus sit with the holy spirit pour out your heart to him and let him know what's within you and then he will fill you with joy fill you with peace which no human can explain how peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts in christ jesus your face will no longer be sad hallelujah that's your assurance in worship if you, if you ask me what's the assurance in assurance in worship the assurance in worship is your face will no longer be sad and in fact if you were to if you were to uh, do an event on worship okay worship evening or something the the tagline should be your face will no longer be sad no longer sad worship without walls no longer sad keep reading then they arose early in the morning and worshiped before the lord and returned again to their house in rama and elkana had relations with hana his wife and the lord remembered her she asked of the lord lord if you look at me and you remember me and not forget me look at what the lord did the lord saw her that's why eli spotted her okay and guaranteed her this is going to happen and then the lord remembered her because elkana had relations with hana and the lord remembered her and it came about in due time after hana had conceived that she gave birth to a son and she named him samuel saying because i have asked him of the lord the name samuel means the lord has heard the lord heard me Amen. so the ayyo what kind of a worshiper is she she promised god if you give if you if you look at me see me what i'm going through if you remember me if you if you not forget me and if you will give me a son i'll give him to be yours so for, for her to reinforce her commitment she named him samuel every time she'll call his name she will remember the lord heard him some of you have forgotten some of you have forgotten your vows because when the thing came you have forgotten that this thing that you received this blessing that you received was attached to a vow you know what she did when the the gift came when the blessing came she attached the blessing with a vow that she made so every time she look at the child she will call him samuel it'll remind her the lord heard the lord heard when on that day when i poured out my heart and i gave him this i made this vow before him he heard my vow some of you are forgetful so forgetful you are so forgetful you made commitments before god you can't even remember that's why you can't keep you sometimes you're feeling like why can't i keep my commitments before god i'll tell you why you can't remember your commitments you have disconnected the the commitment from the blessing you have to the moment you receive the blessing connect it 
See, that's the principle of tithe also. The moment the, the blessing comes in, you separate what, what is given to be, what is unto God. The principle. So that you will not forget. From the top, from the very best, a tenth goes to God. That's the principle that the Lord taught them. So that they will not like, you know, oh, either after this maybe, after tax, after depreciation, after all that, then at the bottom, whatever is left, from that I'll take a tenth. No. Connect, connect your commitment. Connect your commitment to the blessing. So that every time you look at the blessing, you will remember, oh, this is from the Lord. And I made this commitment before God. Because I've asked him of the Lord. Then the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. So he also made some vow. Maybe that is every year I'll do this. That's his vow. So he, he's a man who knows how this thing works. So he went. The next year also he went to offer a sacrifice before God and to pay his vow before God. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. See, I think that's probably the first time Elkanah is knowing what Hannah had vowed before God. The first time. I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Now what he responded, and Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Okay, now I want to just teach you something here. Now, like I said, I don't think Elkanah knew anything about Hannah's vow. The only thing that he did right was loved her so much. She ha he had relations with her. That's pretty much it. And then she conceived. And the, when the child came, he had to go back to Shiloh like he would do every year. So when he was about to go, she said, I'm not coming this time. I want to wean him. And then when I go, I'm going to keep him there forever. You know what the Bible says about vows? Between a husband and a wife, the husband has the right to cancel out the vow made by the wife. I'll show you from the, the scripture that is found in Numbers 30, verses 10 down. In fact, Numbers chapter 30 is all about the laws of, uh, of vows, okay? Different laws pertaining to vows. So um, from verse 10, we see the, the vow of a wife. However, if she vowed, that's a woman, vowed in her husband's house or bound herself by an obligation with an oath and her husband heard it but said nothing to her and did not forbid her, then all her vows shall stand and every obligation by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband indeed annuls them on the day he hears them, then whatever proceeds out of her lips concerning her vows or concerning the obligation of herself shall not stand. Her husband has annulled them and the Lord will forgive her. Every vow and every binding oath. So look at, look at this. 
she had the provision to cancel out this vow and she will be still be forgiven she could have retained samuel without having to give him to the service of the lord all that was recorded was elkana to say i don't agree to this if elkana said i don't agree to your worship then it meant that there is no problem okay samuel will stay in the house of did you get what we just read so if when a vow is made when the wife makes a vow before the lord an obligation before the lord and the husband hears it for the first time and the husband says nothing about it then she has to keep the vow it is not annulled it's not cancelled it remains but if the husband disagrees and annuls it out he says no i don't agree first time he hears it if he cancels it out what does that mean she is not obligated to keep the vow talks a lot about these two people precious people see elkana could have said yes i said i am better than 10 sons and all but now we have a first born together first first born our first born let's not do it let's keep him i am the husband so no problem you can cancel out this this vow that you made before the lord is cancelled out but what did he say you do what is best in your eyes husbands are you listening are you listening give room for your wife to worship freely spouses i would say for the sake of all the smiling wives sp- spouses listen make room for your spouse to worship freely don't be a, a burden in the life of your husband or your wife standing in the way of his or her worship unto god do what seems best for you he allowed his wife hannah to have a personal worship a personal relationship with the lord and he approved of hannah's vow okay that's what is best for you do what is best for you i will not i will not come in the way of your worship but i'm because anyway i'm going to go and give my vow i do it every year that's your vow you do it do what is best only the only let the lord conform his word to you this was this must be our approach this must be our approach in our families in our homes where you always give freedom say freedom freedom to worship i'm telling you there there are great blessings when there is freedom to worship great blessings husbands remember there's great blessings there are great blessings in your life in your family in your home if you give freedom if you make freedom to worship fathers mothers listen to this there's there's a great blessing attached to giving freedom to worship nations which allowed free, gave freedom to worship are blessed do you know that so that's god god will intervene if somebody stands in the way of freedom to worship the most powerful pharaoh couldn't stand a chance he stood no chance because god said let my people go let them go and worship me he did not allow so then then everything will turn against them all the plagues turned against them one after the other because he refused to allow he hardened the heart of pharaoh the bible says but when you allow when you give room when you make space for worship in your home in your church in your fellowship in your gatherings this blessing this blessing in your marriage in your marriage give room for worship 
make room for worship let there be freedom to worship let there be freedom for prayer let there be freedom for prayer don't be that that uh, you know a chain in the house evadangum venda namukku vera vidilum you know no don't be like that give give room for worship give room for prayer promote worship say promote worship encourage worship that's right man hallelujah don't dictate your spouse's worship okay sound waves are becoming slower again i said don't dictate your spouse's worship many christian husbands many christian wives dictate their husbands or their wives worship allow your spouse to worship jesus it will bless your home it will bless your family it will bless your generations now look at what happened when elkana permitted elkana permitted hana to worship freely what happened his first born in with with hana when he said yes to god when he said yes to god to his plan to the vow that she has made before god you know what happened that boy became the most powerful prophet the nation of israel has ever seen samuel the repetition is like this if he speaks it will not fall to the ground everything that he says will come to pass he opens his mouth it will come to pass why because this man by the name elkana said do what is best for you only let the word of god be confirmed that's what he said okay god heaven listen and said okay that's what the husband wants this is what the wife wants let's do it samuel was raised as a prophet like no other in the land of israel that's what i said when you don't worship jesus the way you're supposed to worship jesus when you don't make the vow when you disconnect the vow from the blessing that arrived you are making a terrible mistake you are missing out big time big time there's a great blessing attached to allowing freedom in worship there's a great blessing attached to allowing pursuing freedom in worship amen hallelujah hello this is nisha dilakush i'm sure this podcast has blessed you do subscribe to our channel for more messages and follow us on social media to stay connected may god bless you